Hi, and welcome to the Full Spectrum Holistic Health Podcast. This podcast is all about holistic health, what it is, various holistic and alternative health therapies, and how those may help you to be a healthier person. Thanks for choosing to listen today. I know that there are a lot of podcasts out there for you to choose from, but I'm glad you're here. I'm the host for the podcast, Dr. Anthony Burton. I'm a Reiki master, EFT therapist, meditation teacher, and a shamanic practitioner. My goal is to help people be healthier in body, mind, and spirit. And that's why I'm here. A large part of what I do is educational in nature because so many people are unaware of the power and efficacy of various holistic and alternative therapies. In these podcasts, you will hear stuff that will inform you, enlighten you, and help energize and balance you. Of course, it won't always be just my opinions and ideas, because sometimes I will be interviewing knowledgeable and interesting guests from a variety of areas of holistic and complementary health practice. So kick back, relax, open your mind, and listen. Spectrum Holistic Health is a complimentary health and wellness business located in Northwest Georgia, USA. Check out the website at www.spectrum-holistic.com for more information. A lot of people believe in generational curses of an energetic or spiritual nature, and I'm one of them. Okay, but let me clarify what I mean by a spiritual or energetic generational curse. Now, many people who are Christians or Jewish or other monotheistic believers uh, think that bad things, sins that were committed by relatives or ancestors beforehand can actually pass down their effects spiritually onto the individual. You might have recall reading verses if you've been involved in the Bible at all about curses to the first, second, and third generations or whatever. And that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. What I'm referring to when I say a spiritual or energetic generational curse is the kind of thing that's caused by, oh, let's say, let's say if you are uh, the child or grandchild of an abusive grandparent or parent, and uh, that tendency to be abusive because it has affected you emotionally and energetically, spiritually, is something that might cause you to either be an abuser yourself, or it might cause you to be very, very fearful and afraid of getting into relationships with abusive people, or it might even be the opposite way around. Your, you know, if your mother was uh, married to a, say, a, an abusive husband, then you might have a tendency to marry an abusive person too, because that is seen as the norm, and that's the energy and the thought processes that you're carrying in your head and in your heart. So when I say an energetic or spiritual curse. In my mind, it's not talking about the sins following the generations. It's rather talking about the impact of things that have been done before you that 
would actually come down to you in your energetic patterns. Now, that's such a deep area of discussion that we don't really have time to get into it right here. I want to talk about these physical things, okay? So that's where we're going to go with it. And while I do believe that spiritual and energetic generational curses are real, in this podcast, I want to talk about the more widely accepted, or at least scientifically accepted, sort of generational curses. And those are the ones caused by the usage of tobacco, alcohol, some drugs, and even some foods. Now, some people may think I'm being harsh or sticking my nose in their business. But as someone who's worked with children as a teacher and saw firsthand the effects of parental indulgence taking precedence over the health of children, I'm ready to take that chance. Many people do not like the thought of their tobacco use or alcohol use affecting their children. Maybe it's because they're ignorant about biology, and if that's so, I have to give those people the benefit of the doubt. But often, it's essentially just ego. The idea that, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. My mom or my dad smoked, drank, whatever, and I turned out just fine. In other words, being self-centered. Now, those people probably aren't going to change their minds or their lifestyles. So the children suffer. Also, society becomes responsible for caring for their children with such conditions as fetal alcohol syndrome, obesity, high blood sugar, middle ear infections, respiratory dysfunction, and higher incidences of coronary disease. But if you are one of those people who cares enough about their children or grandchildren to make a sacrifice or two, to help them be healthier, this may help persuade you to do the right thing if you aren't already. First of all, let's talk about secondhand smoke. There have been a lot of public service announcements about this topic, but from what I've observed, they've been largely ignored, except when enforced by law, like when restaurants were forced to be non-smoking areas overall. A secondhand smoke affects both adults and children. I want to talk about the kids at this point. Now, case in point. I have a good friend whose parents both were heavy smokers when she was small. The car, house, any place they were together were usually filled with cigarette smoke. Around age six, she began having frequent ear infections. And the parents usually chalked this up to swimmer's ear, even when the child had not been swimming, say, in the middle of the winter. As an adult, even though she did not smoke and was not around smokers, her husband didn't smoke, she continued to have such ear infections and ultimately was fitted with hearing aids to help with her damaged hearing at about age 55. When she was examined for hearing loss, the doctor determined that her constant bouts of ear infection were directly attributable to her parents smoking around her. And research bears this out. Multiple studies both in this country and in other countries, found direct links between secondhand smoke and ear infections in children, plus the conditions that were created by years of exposure to secondhand smoke. They don't simply disappear when the child grows up and moves away from the smoke, because the damage to the inner ear, the eustachian tubes, has already been done. Now, secondhand smoke was first on my list because, quite frankly, most people just roll their eyes at the idea. The long-lasting damage is real. However, if you're a pregnant woman and you smoke, 
you are setting up your child for many other problems. Oh, and don't forget that secondhand smoke applies here too, because a husband or partner who smokes around their pregnant partner allows the secondhand smoke to damage the mother and the unborn child. So it's a twofer. Pregnant moms who smoke are more likely to deliver premature infants, and premature birth is a leading cause of death, disability, and disease among newborns. One in every five babies born to mothers who smoke during pregnancy has low birth weight. As I said before, mothers who are exposed to secondhand smoke while pregnant are also more likely to have babies with lower birth weight. Babies whose mothers smoked, either while pregnant or who are exposed to secondhand smoke, well, those babies are about three times more likely to die from SIDS, or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Plus, the babies whose mothers smoked out of while pregnant, or babies who were exposed to secondhand smoke, are more likely to have weaker respiratory systems, so they are more likely to develop things like bronchitis, influenza, pneumonia, and other respiratory issues. And lastly, mothers who smoke during pregnancy cause greater risk for their babies being born with developmental issues, as nicotine reduces the flow of oxygen to the developing brain of the unborn child. So, let's talk about another relaxation product that's very popular, alcohol. And it is a documented scientific fact. Drinking alcohol of any kind during pregnancy can cause premature labor, miscarriage, stillbirth, and a range of developmental physical, mental, and emotional disabilities and disorders in the baby, which are collectively referred to as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, or FASD. I know, (laughs) I know. As some others are going to say, oh, no, I had wine at least once a week during my pregnancy, and my child just turned out fine. Well, I guess you are, or rather, your child is, one of the very, very lucky ones. But the odds are not in your favor. Major national medical organizations, including the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Centers for Disease Control at the CDC, Uh, the Surgeon General, as well as medical societies from other countries, including the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, the UK's National Health Service, and countless others, all recommend complete abstinence during pregnancy. But why? Well, let's look at what consuming alcohol can do to your unborn child. Consuming alcohol during pregnancy can cause a variety of birth defects, including abnormal facial characteristics, small head circumference, below average height and weight, problems with eyesight or hearing, bone, heart, kidney issues, brain and spinal cord development issues, malformation of the baby's teeth and palate, malformation of the external genitalia and of the internal reproductive organs. Now, I want to tell you, it's not all on the mom. Let's make that clear. Alcohol use by the dad can also affect the unborn child. That's surprising to a lot of people, but it's true. Because remember, dad is also contributing DNA via the sperm 
And if dad is a drinker, his DNA will be affected. Paternal alcohol use has been linked to lower birth weight, a reduction in the newborn's brain size, and impaired cognitive function. So if dad drinks alcohol and then gets mom pregnant, he is still responsible for issues that occur with a newborn. In fact, according to a study at the University of California, Riverside, quote, fathers who consistently consume moderate to high amounts of alcohol leading up to conception may negatively impact offspring development due to the exposure to the paternal sperm. What about recreational herbs and chemicals? Well, I'm not going to tell you that smoking marijuana is evil, but here's the thing. Many things that are okay for you to do when you're not pregnant simply are not good ideas for when you are pregnant. For example, I don't have any problem with someone having a drink occasionally if they're not pregnant, but doing it while you're pregnant simply is not good for the baby. The facts are, studies show that marijuana use during pregnancy can have damaging effects on the unborn child. These may manifest later in the child with such problems as development of ADD and ADHD, problems with visual perception, premature birth, weight issues, I mean like obesity, and behavior issues. Now, no, 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 I am not singing the Reefer Madness song. I'm talking about documented studies of the effects on the unborn. Because you see, through the placenta, the unborn fetus is exposed to about 10% of the THC taken in by the mother. Now, 10% doesn't sound like a lot, but remember, fetus is much smaller. So that would be like an adult smoking a doobie that weighs a couple of pounds all at one sitting. And here's a weird one. The marijuana that's smoked, or the edible that is eaten, causes the mom to relax and chill, right? But it has a paradoxical effect on the child, causes the child to produce increased amounts of the hormone cortisol, which is a stress hormone that causes increased weight gain and can affect cardiac health. Now, obviously, crack babies have been in the news a lot, but it's not the fault of the children themselves. Crack, or cocaine in general, is unbelievably dangerous for the mother to use while pregnant, for that matter, at any time. Children born of cocaine-abusing mothers are prone to a spectrum of disorders, such as lower overall intelligence, attention deficit or ADD, language development issues, emotional and behavioral issues, and stunted development of what are called the executive functions in the brain, which are things like uh, organizational skills, memory, time management, and self-control. Opioids, such as heroin, oxycodone, hydrocodone, morphine, and so forth, stuff like that, used by the pregnant mother are also damaging to the unborn child. These can cause issues such as ADD, memory problems, and behavioral issues such as hyperactivity. And added to this are the problems a parent or parents must deal with after the child is born, such as irritability, periods of seemingly causeless screaming and crying, seizures, and a multitude of other issues. The parenting and being a child are both hard enough without having to deal 
with that. So at this point, you may be thinking, well, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, so my baby is going to be healthy. (sighs) Not so fast, cowgirl. Remember, I also mentioned food. And your diet can have a huge effect on your unborn child's development and later life. More than one study has shown the health effects of poor diet on adults, whether they're pregnant or not. But mothers who eat an unhealthy diet during pregnancy may be putting their children at risk of developing long-term irreversible health issues, including obesity and raised levels of cholesterol and blood sugar, according to new research. And the study suggests that the effect is even more pronounced in female offspring of the pregnant mom who has a lousy diet than of the male offspring. What's a bad diet? Oh, there's so many conflicting things out there. I'm glad you asked, even though you probably already know the answer. In general, highly processed foods, such as almost every boxed cereal on the shelf, pizza, fried chicken, hot dogs, donuts, cheeseburgers, any kind of fried food, any food made with white flour, Any food containing processed sweeteners such as sugar or high fructose cane syrup, sodas, fruit drinks that wear a sanctimonious label of contains fruit juice, but if you check, it's only about 10% juice and the rest is water, sugar, and a little artificial flavor and coloring. The list is longer, but I'll stop there. Yeah, I know it seems difficult to do, but with a little effort, you can eat healthily. And I'm not saying a hamburger or a slice of pizza once in a while will poison your unborn child. But a steady diet of highly processed foods for both mother and unborn child is murderous. Trust me, I really do get it. I mean, I have been in the position where I just didn't have time to do things the way I really ought to do. You get busy. You don't have time to buy the groceries and cook the meals at home. It's so much easier to buy a box of junk tarts and pop one into a toaster in the morning. When time is pressing, instead of preparing a healthy lunch, you drive through McDougan's and grab a burger and fries, washing them down with a drink that's fizzy, flavored, colored sugar water. When you, and maybe hubby, get home at night, you're exhausted, so it's easier to call up Little Nero's and have them deliver a pizza, or even grab a frozen pizza. Ugh and throw that in the oven and call it good. I've been there, I understand. But if you want to keep your body healthy, and if you want to give birth to a healthy child, you won't do all that stuff because you are setting up the child for a lifetime of problems. What problems, you ask? Or maybe you don't ask because you don't want to know. Well, the children and mothers who eat an unhealthy diet end up having higher levels of cholesterol and triglycerides, these increase the children's risks of heart disease and high blood pressure. Also, those same kids will have higher levels of glucose and more insulin resistance, which lead to diabetes. But they'll grow out of it. It's just baby fat, right? Sadly, no. Not so easy as it sounds. These kids usually end up with increased amounts of fat around their internal organs, their liver and kidney and so forth. This increased amount of perineal fat is involved in the development of type 2 diabetes later in life. 
Okay, probably by now you can see why I call this episode Generational Curses of a Physical Nature. What we do as parents, not only in our emotional behavior, how we treat the kids, but in what we put in our own bodies has effects on our unborn children and sadly many times gets repeated down through the generations because if you raise your children to eat gravy biscuits and sausage and all that kind of stuff in the morning every morning tastes delicious I know but that's what they're going to do for their kids and so on if you want a healthier life for your child don't put the things into your body that will damage both your body and that of your unborn child show yourself some love as well as your descendants to thank you for being here and listening to the podcast today. I hope it's been interesting and informative and thought-provoking. If you did find it interesting, please be sure to return for another episode and tell your friends about it too. I appreciate if you do that because it really helps me out. You can share directly from most podcast platforms and subscribing to the podcast would be great. If you want to tell me you like the show, or that you hated it, that you agree or disagree with me, or anything else, really, go for it. Just leave a message for me on your podcast platform. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep an open mind. Namaste. Namaste.